Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a nutshell for your Wednesday morning, middle of the week. It is Wednesday, the 13th of September, 2023. Daniel Pedigree back with you for the course of the next hour. Good to be with you as well, broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast 1300 01 1170, our open line number. You can text 0457 736 that's all before breakfast with Vossi and James Magnuson this morning for listeners through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney and for listeners in Queensland after the six o'clock news. Pat and Heels along for the breakfast show. Lots to get through as we get closer to the finals of both the NRL and the AFL this weekend. The NRL teams named yesterday uh, some big inclusions, obviously some uh, big exclusions as well for the various teams. We'll get to that. Matty Cox, host of Traders News in Melbourne, will join me in about 15 minutes. I, I do have something to discuss with him that unfolded last week on this show, um, and we will talk about all the big issues as well coming out of last weekend, both the NRL and the AFL, and looking ahead to this weekend coming as well. Uh, there was cricket overnight as well. We'll get to that. Not a great result for Australia and plenty more. So one 1170 our open line number. You can text 0457 736 736. It's Wednesday morning. It's two past five. The Hot Topic. Thanks to Rheem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rheem. Yes, except nothing less than Australia's best and install a ream, Australia's favourite hot water. All right, let's stay, uh, start away from the teams involved in this, this weekend of the finals and start with Jack Whiten, who faced the judiciary last night. And it is, well, it's interesting. Uh, the Rabbitohs will be without him for the start of the 2024 season after he was banned for three matches at a fiery judiciary hearing for intentionally biting uh, Tyson Gamble on Sunday. So three weeks for Jack Wyden. First question, is that enough? Should it have been more for Jack Wyden? Are you surprised it wasn't at least four? Um, or are you surprised it was three? Maybe you should have got less. I don't know. What do you think? Was that right? Was that wrong? Uh, he was referred, as we know, directly straight to the judiciary for the incident on Sunday. Uh, Wyden pleaded not guilty to the charge and was adamant, as we know at the time, that he'd done nothing wrong, with client placing the incident on report and filing a referee's report that said, well, he'd seen a mark and saliva, he couldn't be sure of a bite. Now, Tyson Gamble was not there to provide evidence last night. Uh, and we had the panel of Paul Simpkins and Tony Pulitua. They sat through an 80-minute hearing and then deliberated for a further 23 minutes before finding Whiten guilty. It means he'll miss the first three games of the 2024 season for his new club, including the trip to Vegas. Oh, dear. Uh, with Whiten unable to use test matches as part of the ban because, of course, he retired from Rhett Football earlier on in the year. Now, the NRL... Uh, proposed a four-game ban based on the fact Whiten had entered four guilty pleas to charge this year. But the defence uh, wanted half of that and used a character reference from Kangaroos coach Mel Meninga to support Jack Whiten. Meninga's statement read, I believe the actions are definitely out of character and not part, uh, part of Jack's demeanour when on the field. The Canberra star had earlier argued that Gamble had put his arm inside his mouth and that he never climbed down in a biting motion. There was no biting, he said. He was squeezing my head really hard. His fore forearm fell into my mouth before I could shut it. I've got nowhere to go. He's got full body weight and full pressure, so I'm locked in. 
That explains why there are teeth marks because my mouth was jammed in. At no point did I clench down. And not at any stage did I bite down. Uh, it was fiery, though. Judiciary Council Patrick Knowles used six angles to mount his case and then grilled Wyden under cross-examination. Uh, it was when Jack Wyden snapped back and said, how many games of rugby league have you played? Uh, that didn't go down too well. Uh, so three weeks for Jack Whiten. Enough? Should it have been more? Should it have been less? What do you reckon? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 or 0457 736 736. We'll miss the first few games for the South Sydney Rabbitohs and that trip to Vegas. Are you happy with the suspension? Should it have been more? Should it have been less? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 or 0457-736-736 is our text number. We spoke yesterday morning about Latrell Mitchell um, and the fact that he's going to miss the end-of-season internationals. Uh, more news over the course of the last 24 hours that he actually now runs the risk of losing a finger if he ignores fixing uh, the painful tendon damage he first suffered two months ago. So he will meet with a surgeon in coming days to determine if he, requ if he requires a delicate operation to fix the tendon. Uh, the alternative to avoiding surgery is that Mitchell wears a splint every day for up to eight weeks. Uh, it... Puts Mitchell uh, on the backbone. It could lead if he if Mitchell puts both options on the backbone. It it could lead to ongoing issues and eventual finger amputation. Uh, so Mitchell is eager to avoid such drastic action as we've seen with Angus Crichton in um, the past, um, and he will miss uh, the Kangaroos matches in October. Uh, it is understood Mitchell began wearing a protective brace and strapping over the finger in round 22 when the Rabbitohs beat the Tigers 32 points to 18 in Tamworth. He continued to brace the finger for the final three, match of his, three matches of his season with Souths. Uh, so there you go. He will not be uh, playing for Australia. Let's hope everything is okay with Luttrell. Mitchell, six and a half past five, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or 0457 736 736. Now, uh, team news across yesterday. We were... Very interested to see what would happen in terms of uh, the Storm and the Roosters and obviously for the Knights and also the Warriors on Saturday. Now, we'll just start with the Storm and the Roosters game. Of course, that'll be on Friday night um, at 7.50 at Amy Park. Uh, no Xavier Coates there. Uh, Justin Olam back for the Melbourne Storm. Remus Smith on the wing uh, on the wing for the Melbourne Storm. Of course, Cam Munster, Jerome Hughes there as well and then for the roosters uh, there was a lot of intrigue as to what or who they were going to name especially in the centers uh, Paul Momorowski gets a recall uh, who hasn't played uh, if he has played this year it would have been very very early on uh, he picked up a concussion during the off season and he may have played one game but hasn't been seen uh, or really talked about in terms of the roosters for a long time and I saw some tweets uh, last night or yesterday afternoon when the teams came out saying they basically forgot about uh, Paul Momorowski. So Paul Momorowski there, Corey Allen there as well for the Roosters. Uh, Jackson Polo will go onto the wing to replace Joseph Suili'i as well. It's quite amazing that the Roosters have actually managed to name a back line, uh, definitely not their first string back line, but a back line with people in their right positions. Gives them a chance. I still think it's going to be tricky against Melbourne. Uh, whilst in that Warriors-Knights game on Saturday, uh, we know Sean Johnson has been named. He would be a big in for the Warriors if he is to be there. Um, we'll have to wait and see. He was named last week and he didn't play. You would feel he's probably not going to be 100% Sean Johnson. But 
you would think that they need to play him. It's a must-win match, do or die. I think Sean Johnson, if he is even 90% fit, and we know calf injuries can be tricky. We've seen that throughout the year with uh, not just rugby league players. We saw it with Sam Kerr as well. But you would think that he would play. For the Newcastle Knights, no Jackson Hastings. Adam Clune comes in at halfback for the Newcastle Knights. Hastings not even named on the extended bench. We saw him play uh, last weekend. Uh, re-injure that injury. He was playing injured. He basically said that before the start of the game. So he's not there. But Adam Clune did do a pretty good job filling in for Jackson Hastings over those two or three weeks when Hastings was out at the back end of the year. So we'll see what unfolds over the course of the weekend. Sean Johnson at halfback for the Warriors. Adam Clune at halfback for the Knights. Two really intriguing games, I think, coming up. And uh, Brisbane and Penrith just waiting uh, to meet uh, the winners of both of those games. Of course, Penrith will play the winner of the Roosters and the Storm. Um, and you'd think they'd be pretty happy with whoever they get to play there. And the Broncos will play the winner of the Warriors and the Newcastle Knights. And we will do a full preview with Charlie Goodso, of course, on Friday morning as we get towards uh, those two games. Don't forget, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American Footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12 and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. And we'll have a chat with Chris Perkins on the show tomorrow morning. Once again, one 1170 Three weeks. Enough for Jack Wynan? Yes or no? Should it have been more? Should it have been less? We'll take a break. On the other side of this, got a bit of a chat to have with Manny Cox and a bit of audio to play from last week. And we'll get stuck into all the big issues of the week. It's 10 past five Wednesday morning. This is Tradies News in a Nutshell. Good to have your company. We'll update you after we speak to Matty Cox as well on the cricket uh, that has taken place overnight. Not a great result for Australia. Paul Dennett, by the way, we haven't spoken to him for a few weeks. He will join me, uh, cricket podcaster, on the line tomorrow morning alongside uh, Chris Perkins to give us all the latest uh, from America. And, of course, uh, Paul Dennett with all the latest from the cricket. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy our open line number, or you can text 0457-736-736 as we head down to Melbourne and have a chat with Maddie Cox in Melbourne. Now on SEN, on SEN it's, it's time, time to, to trade, trade towns. And a very good morning to you, Charlie. Uh, I mean, Dan, good morning. Uh, well, I thought you'd be disappointed Charlie wasn't here. I've got something to play for you in a second. Maddie, morning. How are we? I'm disappointed that I won't get to talk proper footy mm. this week with uh, with your good self. Yes. Maybe I might have to try and educate you on what's going on. Well, you could. Now, I wasn't here last week, and I have some audio to play from this show and uh, also breakfast through SCN 11.70 a.m. Did you think your chat with Charlie would make news 24 hours later, Maddie? No, I wouldn't have thought it would have gone viral. No. Well, let's have a listen to what unfolded. I was off last Wednesday, one of my rare days off. And this is what happened. <laughs> You're right. And this is what happened uh, last week on the show. And a very good morning to you, Charles. Morning, Maddie. How are we this morning? Oh, I'm very well. How are you going? Holding the fort for the first time? It is my debut. I'm hoping it's a it's a Nick Dacos type of debut rather than a, a Jack Watts one. Now, the fact that you've come out with that analogy means that this segment is going to go swimmingly because for once I've got someone to talk AFL with. It's also good to be able to chat some footy with someone for a chance, some proper footy. We come off the back for the first time of Chucky Goodser's Hour of Power. So after listening to Tradies, hosted by Chucky for the first time, thumbs up, Vossie. 
Thumbs Sorry, th thumbs up for the entire show or parts of it? Because well, I have. Well, but I didn't get to hear every of, minute of. I thought we're a team. We don't backstab. That's one of our rules. You know, we're not like other media outlets. We don't backstab each other. We're a tight knit unit. And and Lieutenant Dan is part of that. I was listening this morning to Charlie get on to an AFL segment. Yeah, we talk a lot of rugby league on our program. Quite obviously, Brandy, Chucky Good Sir's hour of power. Let's just hear his intro to his AFL segment. It's also good to be able to chat some footy with someone for a change, some proper footy. Sent him so, to Melbourne. So that's just getting a dagger, just <laughs> twisting it in Dan. And it's having a go at all of us. Let's talk some proper footy. So, uh, you know, rugby league, go watch yourself. In the studio with me is Charlie Goodsir. Just one thing that came across my desk yesterday. I got reports early on, um, about 7, 8 o'clock, that something was said during the show. Can you just tell me and everyone uh, who may be tuned in at the moment, what you referred to AFL as when you did chat to the great Matty Cox. Matty and I were exchanging text messages beforehand. I said, look, mate, I'm a, I'm a massive AFL fan. And I said, yeah, it'll be good to chat some proper footy. Mm. That was the private text we were exchanging together. And mm. then I may have accidentally said that on air. I do apologise. It was a slip of the tongue. Mm. I think NRL, AFL... Rugby union, NFL, everything is proper footy in mm. my book. Okay, apology sort of accepted. Now, Matty, at least he apologised, but uh, he, he, I don't know. Proper footy, it was disappointing from Charlie, I thought. Send him down here. Mm. Send him down here because we'll all embrace him with open arms. He got a heap of love off the 40 Winks temper text last week. Although in saying that, in that little, yeah. uh, little message that he shared with you just then, it yeah. sounded very much like this. He's backing up the truck big time in that uh, little defence that he just gave to you. Try to figure out what that was for a second. Yes, he, oh. yes. Uh, well, he was very apologetic, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, no I think, need to be. No, no need no. to be. Uh, lots proper happening. The pro the proper footy. And lots happening in both the codes at the moment, especially at the judiciary, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a it's been a week and mm. a bit down here with our tribunal hearing, which took place last night, but I want to start with what unfolded <laughs> at your judiciary because mm. it was a very interesting circumstance that unfolded on Sunday in your elimination final. Yeah, very close game between the Newcastle Knights and the Canberra Raiders. Went to extra time, the Knights getting the job done, but just. But in that game, in about the 47th minute, while Canberra were leading by 10 points, and it has to be said, and we've spoken about it throughout the week, I think this was probably the incident in the game that got the Knights firing. Um, they were struggling beforehand. But Jack Whiten, the Canberra Raiders centre, who is actually off to South Sydney next year, so it turns out to be Jack Whiten's final game for the Canberra Raiders was accused by Tyson Gamble, the Newcastle 5'8", of biting. Uh, the game was stopped for a couple of minutes uh, and then he was put on report. And no penalty, no sin bin, no send off, nothing like that. Um, and then on Monday morning was uh, referred straight to the judiciary. Now, the interesting thing with this, Matty, so this happened last night, the judiciary hearing, and he ended up getting three weeks, which means he'll miss the first three games, including the trip to Vegas that South Sydney will be on next year to start the season against the Manly Seagulls, the Roosters and the Broncos also on that trip. The interesting about this one, though, was that Tyson Gamble 
didn't give any evidence, didn't want to give evidence, obviously, probably for a couple of reasons. He said after the game, Tyson Gamble, that he was happy to leave it on field and what happens on the field stays on the field. But I also think the fact that the Knights, and we'll get on to that, have such a big game coming up this weekend, probably wanted to be more focused on that. So he ended up getting three weeks. I think if Tyson Gamble had given evidence, it may have been more, but... Three weeks. I think most people yesterday, without Gamble's evidence, were probably thinking he was going to get four. But, yeah, it was a very interesting one, one you don't see too often, and thankfully on a footy field. No, and speaking of not seeing things too often, that's the case that we've had down here over the course, well, pretty much since last Thursday when the incident happened. So for your, some of your audience who may not be aware, on Thursday night when Collingwood was taking on Melbourne in our qualifying final, very early in the game, Angus Brayshaw of the D's was running out of the centre circles, heading towards centre-half forward or the top of the 50-metre arc to send the ball inside 50 uh, kicked it. Mm. Braden Maynard was coming in the opposite direction from inside defensive 50 for Collingwood, coming pretty much straight at him. Attempted to smother by leaping into the air. And then he fell and collided with Angus Brayshaw. His shoulder made contact with the head. Angus Brayshaw was knocked out for around two minutes on the ground, eventually stretched it off. From all reports, he seems to be tracking okay. He was at Melbourne training Yesterday, not participating, obviously, through our concussion protocols. But it's created a whole... It's created a debate surrounding concussion yet mm. again and duty of care and players' responsibilities and the intention and what's a football act, what isn't. So there's been a great divide right across our landscape over the last couple of days. Last night, it went to the tribunal. And the other fascinating part of this case is our match review officer who normally sends things to the tribunal or would give the uh, reportable charge or the offence that a player has to either accept or challenge at the tribunal. He didn't think it was worth sending to the tribunal and was overruled by our new executive general manager of football, Laura Kane, who Mm. had her name on the media release, which is also quite a unique circumstance. So it got sent to the tribunal last night. A four-hour hearing took place. You have to feel a little bit sorry for Jack Barton, who was scheduled to uh, had his case heard at 6pm last night and didn't get on until after 8 o'clock. Um, but the, at the end of the day, he was cleared. So there's been this whole debate around intention and duty of care and all that. Last night it's cleared. Is it over? Who knows? Melbourne still have an opportunity to potentially appeal. And considering that there's been a bit of war of words, I think would be the best way to describe it between Melbourne and Collingwood over the last week, I don't get the impression that it's over just yet. Four hours. That sounds like a very long time. By comparison, uh, the one with Jack White in the NRL last night, it was an 80-minute hearing and then another 20 or so minutes to decide. So just over 90 minutes. Um, Four hours. Is that one of the longest or is this normal in the world of proper footy? No. (laughs) Very good from you. Thank you. No, it's not normal. We have had some long cases and generally it's the more trickier cases. So in instances like this, which are quite unique, we do see tribunal cases going for a prolonged period of time. We had biomechanists involved in last night's case. There was all sorts of vision that was being showed and 
you know, because the, the, the other argument is what, what else is Braden supposed to do in that circumstance? Is If he doesn't go for the smother, is he being seen as being desperate enough to go for the footy? If he was in midair, did he have to brace with his shoulder that made contact? If he'd, if he'd left himself open, would that have caused injury and maybe more mm. damage to both players? So all that had to be heard. All that had to be investigated. The intention behind it, that's what drew out the process last night. Yeah, I think the one I, that really stands out for me was 2018. Billy Slater, from a Melbourne point of view, uh, was put on report. I think it was for a shoulder charge, and they ended up winning that game uh, and going in to play the grand final. Um, and that judiciary hearing, I think, would have gone for about two, two and a half hours. Everyone was waiting to hear. I, I have a feeling that was Billy Slater's last year as well for the Melbourne side, either his last or second last year. Um, and he thought that, was he going to play? Is he not going to play? The Melbourne Storm fans, the Roosters fans were on the edge of their seat. I don't think we got a result in that until about 9.30 uh, on the Tuesday or Wednesday night when that was held. But that's probably the longest that I can imagine. So yeah, four hours, very long time, Manny. It certainly was. And hopefully now it starts to quell the debate, although... Um, yeah, I don't quite think it's... There'll be a bit of fallout I'm, I'm predicting, Dan, over mm. the next couple of days, which kind of detracts from what a, an awesome weekend of footy it was in the AFL with our qualifying finals and elimination finals of the weekend. Probably the biggest stories to come out of it was GWS and this mm. fairy tale that saw them resurrect probably halfway through the season. At round 10, it looked as though they were going to finish in the bottom, I don't know, bottom quarter of the ladder, and they've been able to turn it around. And now they are a genuine chance to progress through to a preliminary final because they play Port Adelaide this week over at the Adelaide Oval, but that's that's nothing to sneeze at. We've talked about how Brisbane is so dominant at the Gabba this year. GWS have, just, have this year claimed a record of how many venues that they have won at, which is 11. Mm. It's extraordinary what mm. they have been able to achieve. They beat St Kilda on the weekend by 24 points. St Kilda looked as though they were out of gas um, and they'd probably achieved what they, or overachieved, considering the expectations for them this season. But for the Giants, they come up against a Port Adelaide side that is banged up. They've got injury issues. The depth probably isn't there at the moment to cover it because of other injuries associated with the team. So GWS, who are fit and firing on all cylinders and look dangerous, are a very big, big chance to get through to a preliminary final against Collingwood. And on the other side of the equation, you've got Brisbane, who are sitting very pretty waiting at the Gabba for either Mm. Melbourne or Carlton after continuing their dominance. And it'll be an epic centre preliminary yes. final weekend because the Brisbane Broncos, they got rid of the hoodoo against the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, and you mentioned GWS only a few years since they last made a grand final. So interesting to see what the groundswell of support will be here in Sydney if they make that prelim next week, which we may or may not talk about. Yeah. Just on that, mm. what has the reception been to what GWS have achieved? Because they're being lauded and praised down here. And I've got an impression... People will be able to correct me off the 40 Winks temper text. But it seems as though they are garnering a lot of support from those that don't have a team participating in finals down here. So what's it being received 
like in the Harbour City, particularly now because Sydney are no longer a part of the season after going down to Carlton in the elimination final on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, close loss to the Swans. I watched that last quarter. They were coming back to get them, weren't they? Um, look, I think now the Swans are out of the competition and we'll see what GWS do on the weekend. They will get uh, some more support, clearly, uh, from the GWS fans. I don't think you'll find many Swans fans getting on the GWS bandwagon, though. So it might be the casual... AFL viewer in Sydney, which I think there's probably plenty of that probably will maybe pay a bit more attention to GWS. But I've told you this story before, Matty, when they made the grand final a few years ago, uh, it was the night or the afternoon of a preliminary final um, that uh, I was going to in the NRL. And I went to a pub expecting a lot of GWS fans there and the place was packed full of Richmond fans. So I, I think GWS, as well as they're playing, made the grand final a few years ago, chance to do something this year. They've still got a lot of work to do to capture the hearts and minds of Sydney. And I know we've sort of spoken about this before. There is a population and there is a, probably a small part of that population that are invested in GWS, but they're still a long way behind the support that the Swans and the crowds that the Swans get. I encourage anyone who might be listening to your program this morning mm. to get on the bandwagon because if they do get over Port Adelaide, and it's a big if, we always like to write off the loser of qualifying finals in both codes and we get excited about the winners of the elimination final and yeah. generally we're proven wrong. But they are a big threat, GWS, and for what they have achieved with a new coach this year, not too many drastic list changes. They obviously lost Taranto and Hopper coming into this season to Richmond, coincidentally. But get on board. If, you, if you've got some spare time on Saturday night, I know there'll be a bit of competition between what code you do watch. But if you get a moment or a chance to watch what GWS are doing, you, you will fall in love with what they are achieving in 2023 if they do progress past Port Adelaide this weekend. And the one good thing about that is that the NRL, because it's being played in New Zealand, which we'll get to, is 4.05pm on Saturday afternoon. So that will go nicely into the AFL if you wanted to watch both codes. So You've got no excuse. Exactly, exactly. You mentioned next week, next Saturday, preliminary final day, the Broncos threw quite easily. It was very interesting, our four finals, the two qualifying finals, and that's why... I don't think it's changed anyone's minds about who is going to be there on grand final day at the moment, although we know a lot can happen in the next couple of weeks. Penrith quite easily uh, beat the Warriors. The Broncos very impressive over Melbourne, close in that first half for a long period of time. And then Brisbane in that first sort of 10 or 15 minutes of that second half really got away from the Melbourne Storm. was a bad night for the Melbourne Storm. Uh, they lost Xavier Coates, who won't be playing this weekend, picked up a couple of other injuries. The obvious one and the awful ones uh, seeing Ryan Pappenhausen go down injured. I suppose the good news on the back of that injury, when he went down, people were uh, thinking this could have been a compound fracture, uh, could have been another long stint on the sideline. It isn't. And in fact, they're expecting, expecting Ryan Pappenhausen back at training by January. And I saw uh, Christian Welsh, one of the Melbourne Storm players on the news uh, either last night or the night before, saying that it would actually be good to have Ryan Pappenhausen there for basically, well, at least half of the off-season uh, when they get back from their Christmas holiday. So I have no doubt. He's only 25, Ryan Pappenhausen. I have no doubt he'll get back onto the field. But 
was a blow for the Melbourne Storm and, yeah, just awful to see. And then we had the two elimination finals, Maddie: the Sharks, Roosters and the Raiders and the Knights. Uh, the Roosters-Sharks game was a one-point affair. The Roosters winning that game away from home after getting uh, one of their players, Sinbin, probably their best player in James Tedesco, one of their best players and captain Sinbin for 10 minutes. They had a couple of other key players go off with injuries. Um, and then we saw the Raiders almost upset the Knights. The Knights had won nine in a row going into this game against the Raiders. The Raiders were leading 16-6 at one point, and then the Knights went bang, 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 really, and got to a 28 points to 16 lead. And you thought with, what, 10 or so minutes to go, it was over. But then the Raiders came back and scored two tries, took us to extra time, and then it was decided with a penalty. So the Raiders and the Sharks gone. The Knights and the Roosters advanced through to this weekend coming. The Roosters will travel down to Melbourne to play the Storm. And the Knights will go to Auckland to play the New Zealand Warriors. Two really intriguing games as Penrith and Brisbane await the winners of both of those games. You got a couple of days off coming up? No, I'm not going. No, no, no I don't. No. I'm not. I did not coming to Melbourne. No. Well, now I'll tell you something. I did look at flight prices for oh, that no. to no, no, to fly on Friday, fly on after after working, um, and I thought no, it'd be too expensive. So no, I'll be watching it in uh, Sydney. It'll be. I can't see the Melbourne Storm playing like they did last week, two weeks in a row. Um, they, I'm not saying they're going to win. I think it'll be tricky. I think they should win. But their performance, Craig Bellamy coach sides rarely play like that two weeks in a row. I expect them to bounce back in a big way. Well, hopefully that they do. Hopefully that they do, particularly mm. given that we've both got a vested interest here. Yes. You're a very passionate Roosters mm. man. Mm. And uh, I've got the Melbourne bias. But yes. they, I, I feel as if it, it, it rattled them, the, the Pappenhausen. And you mm. can even see the way that Craig spoke in the post-match press conference and the emotion that was coming through his voice. Usually after a performance like that, he can almost bristle up a little bit. And I felt as if... There was more disappointments and not so much shock, but just a real letdown following the, the Friday night result last week. So be curious to see how they do indeed respond. Mm. And this, We mentioned before about the GWS story. For me, the Broncos story is fascinating, considering obviously the record against the Melbourne Storm, but their turnaround in the last couple of years... Um, is a story to be admired. Well, and not just even in the last couple of years, Matty. You look at now, last year they were in the top four up until round 18, round 19, and then missed the finals completely. And I think that was what, when we were coming into this season, I think that is why people had a few doubts on the Brisbane Broncos because we wondered how much the back end of last year would hurt them this year, how much that would stay in the back of their mind. Well, Clearly it didn't because they finished second along with Penrith easily being the best team all year. And then I suppose the other question mark, which I had coming into last week's game against Melbourne, well, the two question marks, Melbourne had won 14 in a row against the Brisbane Broncos, so clearly a very good record. But the other thing was that apart from uh, a couple of obvious exceptions, one in particular, there wasn't a lot of finals experience there for the Broncos, but that did not seem to hurt them at all last weekend. It will be... Interesting, um, next week, we'll see next week they come up against a Warriors or a Knights side that both of them don't have a heap of finals experience either. I think if they come up, if we get the grand final, most people are expecting between Penrith and Brisbane, 
maybe it plays a factor then, considering how much experience Penrith have had playing in these big games over the past three or four years. But at the moment, the Broncos are playing like no one can beat them. So, look, I know everyone would like, I know there's people supporting different teams. Um, I think it would be great to get a Penrith-Brisbane grand final. They have been the two best teams all year, but you don't always get that. And I'm sure fans of the Storm, Roosters, Knights, Warriors, we're hoping that doesn't happen. So a little way to go, but they've been very, very good so far this year, the Broncos. Dean off my text says, just give the NRL trophy to the Panthers now. Nobody mm. will come close to them after what's been, again, we have to admire what they've been yeah. able to achieve in a period of time as well. Now, before we depart yes. this morning, the Wallabies commenced their World <laughs> Cup campaign over mm. the course of the weekend. And considering mm. the World Cups that we've seen this year, particularly from an Australian perspective and the big moments for our national sides, over the course of this year, mm. there's been nothing down here about what achieved, apart from maybe a mention in a headline. But beyond that, and I mean, it was their first win for the year as well. Yeah, that wasn't really celebrated. Is does that paint a picture of how dire things are for rugby union in this country? I think so. And we were talking about this last week, actually, with your good friend, Charlie. I think it was last Tuesday morning. And got a few texts saying, look, the time difference doesn't help. And the fact that it's not all on free-to-air TV probably doesn't help either. Uh, it hasn't really got much of a mention here either. Maybe a bit more than you would get in Melbourne. And I think potentially that's because we are in the midst of the NRL, the AFL finals. If this was to be played in a month's time, maybe we'd be getting hearing more about it. I think also, Maddie, the way the Wallabies, and I know they won, what was it, 35-15 on the weekend against Georgia, which is great, but no one is really expecting the Wallabies to do much in this World Cup. It would be great if they did. And I suppose if they do start uh, winning games and going deep into the tournament, we'll start hearing more about it. But, yeah, it has been extremely quiet. I was um, out on the weekend after the uh, Sharks-Roosters game. I went uh, for a drink course, drink responsibly. And it, the I think it was Ireland was playing uh, Romania or Namibia or something like that anyway. And it was on the TV because there was no English Premier League. There was not much other sport going on at that time of the night or early in the morning. No one was watching it. Um, and I was having a chat with the people I was with that night. And if you cast your mind back, Matty, you'll remember this, the Rugby Union World Cup in Australia of 2003. We came runners up, Johnny Wilkinson, uh, the star in the final for England. But Rugby Union was huge then in this country, had probably a chance to overtake Rugby League as the second most popular football code in this country, and they just didn't do it. And now I think it's safe to say that rugby is probably uh, fourth, but way behind AFL and NRL, and I reckon behind football slash soccer as well. Well, you say that, but we still got 80,000 at the MCG True. earlier in the year for, what was it, the Bledisloe Cup match yeah. that we hosted, so... There's, there's a curiosity mm. in it, but in terms of engaging the wider public, they've got a bit of work to do. And it's interesting as well. I was having a chat with someone a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually one of the Uber drivers that uh, brought me in here the other day, and he said that he goes to uh, shoot shield, he goes to club rugby, and the crowds there are very big. But in terms of uh, interest in the Super Rugby, um, obviously from an international stage when the Wallabies play the All Blacks, there's still interest there. I just don't know how they turn things around. I suppose the obvious way is by winning, um, and they can do that over the next few weeks. But we've got the World Cup here, don't forget, in four years' time. Um, and 
I know Eddie Jones is looking ahead to that, but as I've said a couple of times, the fact that the biggest story from a rugby union point of view outside of Eddie Jones signing was the fact that they signed, what, a 19 or a 20-year-old, very good player, don't get me wrong, from rugby league. But was that the, that's the biggest story for rugby union this year? I think that in itself is a concern. Yeah, and an explanation of where the sport's sit in the scheme of things. Mm. Nice job from you after a spell, Dan. Thank you. Even though I did want to talk some proper footy this morning. But anyway, we can get past that. We can talk some more proper footy next week if you want. I'll be here, sound, though. I'll be here. Sound, sound, oh, no, bring back Charlie. We're uh, going to start our petition. He's in the office. He's, he's looking to get in right now. Thank you, Matty. <laughs> Have a good one. Matty Cox talking all things sport. Yeah, where are you with the Rugby Union World Cup? Where are you with the Wallabies? I didn't ask this on Monday, but did you watch the Wallabies game across the course of the weekend? Uh, I know we spoke about it last week. Also, uh, just on the back of that conversation with Matty, quick poll on 1300 1170 or 0457 736 736. If your team is not in the finals, um, there's six teams remaining. There'll be four teams after this weekend in a few days' time. If your team's not in the finals... What bandwagon are you on from an NRL point of view? Uh, who do you want to see if your team is not in the finals? Who would you love to see go and win it? one 300 or 0457-736-736. Who would you love to see if your team is not in it win the uh, competition? And also from an AFL point of view, as we were just talking with Matty, are you on the GWS bandwagon or bus as Vossi and Brandy would call it? Would you like to see them go all the way and do something? in this year's AFL competition, especially if you're a Swans fan, would be interested to hear from you. one 1170 We'll take a break. Come back with more. It is 18 and a half to 6. 14 to 6, 1300 You text in just a second. Before that, the cricket uh, overnight, the third one-day international between South Africa and Australia. South Africa off their 50 overs. They won, by the way, for by 111 runs, South Africa. They made six for 338. Australian reply only lasted 34 and a half overs, out for 227. Uh, the pick of the bowlers uh, was probably Travis Head, two for 39. Uh, Marcus Stoinis got a wicket, one for 58. Nathan Ellis also a wicket, uh, one for 69. But uh, disappointing in terms of the bowling. And then for uh, the batting for Australia, David Warner, he made 78. Uh, Travis Head made 38. Mitch March was out for 29. Uh, Marnus Labuschagne, who has been batting pretty well, uh, but only made 15 in this innings. Alex Carey out for 12. Marcus Stoinis only made 10. Tim, Tim David only 8. Sean Abbott only made 2. Nathan Alice 16. Um, and Josh Hazelwood not out on 12. But and Sanger out for a duck, but that is a disappointing result for Australia. We will talk more about that with uh, Paul Dennett tomorrow morning on the show. 0457 736 736 or 1-300-01-11-70. Uh, here's a text uh, about our chat about rugby union. Uh, he got a uh, text, no name on it, but ending in number ending in 282. I sleep better during and after a rugby union match. Thank you for that text. Uh, not a fan of rugby union. It is interesting, isn't it? We may talk more about it uh, in the days to come. The Wallabies in action on Monday. Look, as I said to Maddie, I think if they win, uh, there'll be no doubt be more interest in what's happening in the rugby union World Cup. But at the moment, it is very quiet, considering as well, we have got a situation where 
Uh, we are in the midst of the NRL and AFL finals. Just a bit more news on the NRL as well. NRL clubs have been given the opportunity to launch a final fling in contract negotiations under a new rule, which is said to give incumbent clubs 10 days to fight off rival offers for the likes of Joey Manu and Jerome Luai. The changes were officially sent to clubs last week and take immediate effect, strengthening the ability for incumbent clubs to convince players to stay. So under the changes, any rival offers must be lodged with the NRL if a player has his head turned and indicates he is ready to accept an offer to leave. His current club will still have 10 days to change his mind. Uh, you could call it a Hail Mary play if you want. The NRL will confirm that an offer has been lodged with them but won't provide details such as terms and money. The clock then begins to tick. Uh, it's said to have quite huge ramifications for some of the biggest names in the game given uh, Joey Manu, Jerome Luai, Bradman Beers, the best Tom Dearden, amongst others, are about to enter the final year of their deals when they can sign with rival clubs for the 2025 season. Uh, an NRL spokesman said the new process does not involve a cooling off period. The new negotiation window is for a period of 10 days after a player receives an offer they would be willing to accept from a new club. They then, um, they then have to give their current club a 10-day window to negotiate before they accept the other offer. Once the 10-day period ends, the player is free to sign with either club. Players have no obligation to accept an offer from the incumbent club, even if it matches the offer from the new club. Uh, what do you reckon about that? So 10 days, not a cooling off period, but 10 days for a team like Penrith and the Roosters to get back potentially Jerome Luay or Joey Manu if they see an offer they like from another club. What do you reckon? I, I don't mind it. Um, whether How much it changes things, I don't know, but just gives the club that player is currently playing for maybe just a bit more of a chance. Your thoughts on that? 0457 736 736 or 1300 011170. We'll take a break, come back and wrap things up on the other side. It's 10 to 6. Couple of texts to finish things off. This one says, good morning, Dan. I like the new 10-day window regarding contracts. One thing it will do is we'll stop player managers bumping up their player values with their current club by creating a false impression that somebody else is happy to pay uh, way over the place, uh, way over the uh, price value. Any legitimate offer from a rival club must be lodged. Therefore, the manager can't make up stories. Let's call them a cabramatic flash. Keep up the good work, uh, mate. Still looking for the podcast on the website. Just go to uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts on the SCN 1170 feed and you will find it there. Thank you, mate. Uh, Big G says, uh, morning, Dan. Being a former Western Sydney boy, it's got to be GWS. Yeah, going to be interesting to see uh, the support for GWS, especially if they do make it through to the preliminary final. And Chookman says on the text, Hi, Dan, how many weeks did the Sharks player get for breaking Billy Smith's jaw? Uh, none. Victor would have been locked up. Yes, probably true. Thank you, Chookman. Thank you, everyone, for listing this morning. Uh, Padden Heels coming up for breakfast in Queensland. It'll be Vossi and James Magnuson for listers in Sydney. Tomorrow on the show, Paul Dennett, uh, cricket podcaster. We on the line to talk all things cricket. Chris Perkins on the line from America. Of course, big news with Aaron Rodgers out for the season. Uh, so we'll talk to him tomorrow morning about all of that. Thank you for your company today. Breakfast follows the news. I'll see you tomorrow morning from 5 a.m.